Hey, if I can get the band just to stick, if you would. Uh, I'd like to go through all the songs we've done in this uh, series, maybe just do some little vignettes of them. You know, can't help falling in love with God. That's what Graceland has been all about. When you give your life to Jesus Christ and you bow a knee and give God the reins in your life, I've said this through this series, not only is God in us and with us, but God is for us in our lives. God's cheering for you. And, and when you start living in Graceland, in this place of, of grace, I think it changes everything. It, it changes our, our past, it changes the present, and it changes our future. And I believe because of that, it should impact how we live in our lives, how we see the world, how we relate to other people, how we see ourselves. The fact is, uh, we've been on this Graceland tour for several weeks, and it all starts with gaining access to Graceland, you know, taking that step and giving your life to Christ. And we started the, this tour with this song, Love Me Tender. Love me sweet, never let me go. You have made my life complete, and I love you so. Love me tender, love me true, all my dreams fulfilled. For my darling, I love you, and I always will. Love me tender. You know, God extended his love to us when he sent Jesus Christ to die. And uh, that was an act of grace. And accepting that grace, it's the only way we're going to get to heaven. You know, Paul writes in Ephesians, the second chapter, he says, For by grace you were saved through faith, and even though it is not of yourself, it's a gift of God, not of works, so no one can boast. And we've said this, that basically God said, look here, here it is, it's free, it's a gift, and there isn't anything we can do to save ourselves. The fact is, you just have to accept that free gift, that free gift of grace that, that God extends to us. And we've said the way we receive that is by faith. Faith's kind of the key that unlocks the gates of, of Graceland, allows us to live in Graceland. And we talked about that it, it's not by our performance, but it's by God's promises that we're able to do that. It's not based on my goodness, but it's based on God's grace, God's grace. And I'm not going to get to heaven by what I've done, but I'm getting to get heaven by God's love, God's mercy, God's grace. And on this tour, we uh, visited a really popular hotel, Heartbreak Hotel. I love, I love that song. I love Heartbreak Hotel. They, um, Philippians 2, the apostle Paul, he writes these words. He said, God is always working in you. 
to give you the will and the power to do what he's called you to do. We've said that God will see us through everything, and I mean everything in life. The, the fact is that we, we get hung up sometimes, and we talked about reasons we check into that heartbreak hotel, that sometimes it's temptation, it trips us up, it messes us up, and so what ends up happening is we create a lot of heartache in our lives and the lives of, of people that we love and, and care about. And that sometimes we check into that hotel because we just get worn down. You know, a, a situation or a challenge that, that we just get exhausted trying to deal with it. And so what we do, we check in and we kind of hide away in that heartbreak hotel and just get away from things. And in life, have you figured this out? There are going to be problems. There are going to be problems. And when you face those problems, what you're going to find is there's always room. There's always room in that hotel, that heartbreak hotel. I mean, the fact is, no matter what you're going through, there's always going to be that spot. But God says, you know what? If you'll just give me those heartbreaks, the ones that just happen the ones that someone else causes in your life, and even the ones that you cause yourself, God says, if you just give them to me and lean on me and trust me, God says, I'll see you through. I'll see you through whatever it is. And we talked a lot about the fact that we do not face those heartbreaks, that we don't get through them because of willpower. I mean, that's an okay thing, but it will not see you through. It is getting through with God's will and God's power in your life, that God will give you the strength to face whatever it is. He'll help you with it. We talked about a uh, classic, My Way. I was interested. So many people didn't know that was an Elvis song. You know, you can't be an Elvis fan and not know that. They go, I thought that was Sinatra, you know, but it's an Elvis song, and let's do My Way. My Way. You know, we, we talked about breaking that performance trap that we all get caught in, that somehow we can make our, our life perfect. And I challenged you to say, basically, that you will fail if it's just your way. You know, that there, there's a way to get out of that trap, that uh, you're not going to find it through therapy or taking pills or by uh, watching Oprah, and uh, to which many people went, ah, Oprah, no, he didn't say that. But, you know, it, it, uh, you're not going to find that. God says, you know what, there is a better way. God says, it's his way. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God says, my way is a better way. And friends, when you're learning to live in this grace land, you are going to get messed up once in a while, and you're going to trip and fall. And I said, part of what we have to do is change our perspective in life, to realize nobody's perfect. You know, just look around you, which means you're not perfect. You're going to make mistakes. And that there comes a point in life where you have to yield to God. You have to give God control of your life and to always remember, especially those times when, when you fall, that you're a son or daughter of God, that your status 
You are loved, much loved person. And so as you're stumbling, as you're failing in life, if you, if you remember that, it changes everything. And because God's love's unconditional, when you fail, God's going to pick you up and help you get started again. And God says, you know what? My ways are better. My ways are better. I, I think this house rocked when we did jail house rock. We talked about the jailhouse of guilt that imprisons too many people, that, that makes us sick, that kind of isolates us and really threatens to tear us apart in, in our life. And I, it's been my observation that too many people live life in this jailhouse of guilt and that it just messes them up. The Apostle Paul, he says, let us come near to God with a sincere heart and sure faith, because we have been made free from a guilty conscience. Friends, as Christians, if you've given your life to Christ, you live in Graceland. In other words, grace is the key that's opened this jail cell of guilt that that we tend to live in. And as long as we kind of hold God at bay, you know, at arm's length, you're going to stay in that jail cell. You're going to have a sense of, I'm not forgiven. God couldn't forgive that. But when you draw close to God, when you get close to God, you realize God loves you. You realize that God sent his son to die for you. And so the closer you get, God forgives you. And you, you know that. Uh, the closer you get, uh, God, God's in the midst of it. And we talked about whatever it is in your life that, that's messed you up. That if you just come to God and confess it and pull up close, you're going to sense that forgiveness. You're going to sense God saying, you know what? Not guilty. You're free. And it's not because you deserve it or I deserve it, but because God loves you. God cares about you. And because we live in this graceland, we're forgiven. And then we really press things and said, because you're forgiven... You're expected to forgive other people. And it just seemed fitting that we would talk about don't be cruel. We had said there is a link between the fact that God has forgiven you and forgiving other people. In fact, Jesus is really pointed when he writes in Matthew 6. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. See, we like that part, right? But if you refuse to forgive others, what's it say? Ouch. That's that's got a little bit of a bite. We talked about the the fact that forgiveness, it's it's a funny thing that uh, I don't think we fully understand sometimes. Uh, And so we talked about what is forgiveness and what is forgiveness not. And we talked about genuine forgiveness is not conditional. Real forgiveness is unconditional. In other words, when you say to somebody, you know, I will forgive you if you're not forgiving them. You're bargaining. You're not forgiving. And we talked about that genuine forgiveness does not minimize whatever's happened. In other words, you don't have to go, oh, it wasn't a big deal, you know, don't worry about it. The fact is, if it needs forgiven, it did hurt. It did cause pain. It did disrupt your life in some way. 
And we talked about forgiveness is not everything back to normal. That forgiveness is not uh, restoration. That forgiveness is uh, instantaneous, but there's a time that you're going to have to kind of rebuild trust over time. And that uh, forgiveness is not forgetting. You know, that, uh, in other words, uh, forgive, forget. Our culture, that's kind of a uh, handy cliche that we use. It's very popular. But the fact is, it's not true. In fact, it's impossible to forgive and forget something that caused you pain in your life. And we said that forgiveness, forgiveness is not easy. It's not easy. I did not want to pretend that it's easy to forgive someone that, that has hurt you deeply. And that sometimes forgiveness is a process. In other words, you, you have to keep coming back at it and go, you know what, I've got to forgive this. I've got to let this go. And we talked about that you may need to go to the person and, and talk to them, that you should talk to another mature Christian about whether you need to take that step, or you may not be able to go to that person because maybe, maybe they've passed on or you, you shouldn't, shouldn't get together. And so, you know, use the empty chair. But whether you're sitting there with the person or you got the empty chair, that you have a conversation that goes something like this, Okay. You go, you know, because of Jesus Christ, because I live in Graceland, because God's been gracious to me, I'm letting you go. I'm setting you free. I'm releasing you. I'm not going to bring it up again. And to be able to say, I forgive you. I forgive you. And I said, not because they deserve it, because they probably don't, but because God's forgiven you. And... We are all going to have hurts in our lives, and we're all going to have times when we need to forgive other people. And you, you have to choose. You've got to choose in that moment. If you're going to be cruel, and I can tell you that leads to bitterness, or if you're going to forgive. And then last week, it was kind of a call to action, and we did a little less conversation. Yeah, I appreciate them uh, Staying with us through that. A little less conversation. A little more action. Friends, because we live in Graceland, God wants us to grow. And we talked about that last week, that growth doesn't just happen. It doesn't happen because we talk about it. It doesn't happen because you've accepted Christ as your Savior. It doesn't happen because we're gathered here. It requires more. A lot more. Growth doesn't happen because I try really, 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 really hard. Because I'll tell you, that just produces guilt usually. But we grow in grace. We grow in grace. Grace not only helps us get started in our walk, but it keeps us going. And we talked about the fact that God has a process that for this growth in our life. And that process requires action on your part. Paul writes this, he says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. God's process for growth is putting off the old, the old attitudes, the old thoughts, 
the old beliefs about relationships, about sex, about marriage, about money, about business, about disappointment, about what we think God should or shouldn't do in our life. It's getting rid of all that stuff and putting on new attitudes, new beliefs, new lenses. We talked a lot about putting on these lenses that allow us to see as God sees, that when we take that step, it changes everything. It makes growth possible. And what happens is with these new lenses on, we begin to respond the way God would have us respond in life. And those lenses change everything. In fact, those lenses make it more likely that I'll do what God asks. And the way we put on the new, it's by renewing our minds. It's spending time with God. I mean, that's one of the ways you renew your mind. It's becoming sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You know, it's spending time in in God's Word, reading and, and listening, and allowing God to speak to you through that. You know, it's spending time uh, in small group, studying together, being challenged by other Christians. And we said, that's what we do every morning here. We worship and study God's word together. And as we're renewing our minds, what we find is we're able to take off the old and put on the new in, in our lives. And this affects everything, absolutely everything in life, because what you find is it begins to impact the various situations in your life and decisions that you make hundreds of times a day. And that this is a lifelong process. In other words, you don't just do it and it's done. You will spend your entire life taking off the old and putting on the new. And the fact that we live in Graceland, friends, changes everything. It changes absolutely everything in your life. We live in Graceland by trusting in Jesus Christ. And we don't get to live in Graceland because of religion or rituals or keeping rules or the fact that we're baptized or take communion or whatever. But it's Graceland, friends, is about a relationship. It's a relationship with God. It's connecting with God on a regular basis. Romans 5 says, now we rejoice and our wonderful new relationship with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done in dying for our sins, making us friends of God. It's relationship. Grace is free. You just have to accept it. It wasn't cheap. It cost Jesus Christ his life. Graceland costs God dearly, dearly. And Graceland's all about love. It's all about love. And, friends, I don't know about you, but when I think about the grace that God has had in my life, it rocks me. It changes me. I become very deeply humbled that God could love me that much. And in light of that, in light of the fact that I live in Graceland, what do I do? I mean, how how should I respond to that? You know, Paul says this, So we beg you, do not let the grace you receive from God be for nothing. Do you hear Paul? He's urging, begging, please. Because we live in Graceland, friends, because you have 
experience God's grace, I want to challenge you to make your life count. Make your life count. You know, Paul says, do you see that you can't keep on living however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? So let people see God in and through your body. See, I do not believe that you can truly understand grace. The the fact is that you can't really understand grace and keep living the same old way. Keep ignoring God's commandments. You know, keep wasting time on these trivial pursuits or spending money just any old way we want. The the fact is, I can't keep doing what I've always done once I embrace grace. Once I realize I've been bought with a price. You know, grace changes things. It changes everything. I don't know how many of you remember when uh, President Reagan... Uh, the assassination attempt on his life. And right after that, uh, they were interviewing him, and they they were asking him about that event and how it kind of marked him. And he said this. He said, I have a new sense that I was spared for a purpose and that all my time belonged to God after that. Friends, because of Calvary, because of the cross, Because Jesus Christ came into this world and gave himself up freely. All of that should impact how we live, how we think, the decisions we make. You know, God created you for a purpose. Jesus Christ died for you for a purpose. And he wants you to fulfill that purpose, whatever it is, you know, First Peter, Peter writes this, he says, everyone should use whatever gifts they've received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Your opportunities, your abilities, your talents, your education, your freedom, your relationships, everything that has blessed your life, whatever it is that's blessed your life, you should give to God. You know, in other words, everything that that you have should not be squandered. It should be on purpose that you begin to live. You know, don't waste your life. Make it count. Make it count. I challenge you to do a little assessing today, a little assessment of your life and say, answer this question. What are you doing right now that will matter in eternity? Friends, that is a make-your-life-count question. Now, I want to press a little bit, because I know we just kind of jump over, over those things, but let me ask you, what are you doing right now that is going to impact and matter 20 years from now? How about this? What are you doing right now that's going to matter in five years? And friends, as painful as that question may be, if you do not honestly answer it and make adjustments accordingly, I can tell you something. You'll probably squander your life. You'll probably waste it. See, that question has the potential to change, to change your values, to change your priorities, 
to change how you spend your time, your talents, your resources? What are you doing right now that will matter in eternity? See, I believe that question, when you truly embrace it, can change the whole trajectory of your life. Because we live in Graceland, make your life count. Second thing, live generously. Live generously. You know, 2 Corinthians says, you're familiar with the generosity of Jesus Christ. Rich as he was, he gave it all away in one stroke. He became poor and we became rich. Because we live in Graceland, friends, I think it opens our heart. It opens our heart to to God's way of living. You know, for God so loved the world, what? Gave his only son. He gave. When you truly understand Graceland and grace, it changes your heart. In fact, I believe grace should impact that generosity meter in every single area of our lives. You know, when you're living in Graceland, what you find is your, your generosity just keeps increasing over time. Your generosity with your time, with your money, with your resources, with your opportunities. Your generosity with other people, with God, it just kind of spills over in your life. And you, you find that all of a sudden you are more other-centered in your life and God-centered that you, you hold things more loosely in your hand, and it just changes you. And friends, when you really take a, a tour of Graceland, and you really look at what God has done, and what God is doing, it just gets you here. I mean, it makes me want to give more, and do more, and forgive more. You know, the fact is, it makes me want to be more accepting of people. It makes me want to live beyond myself. And we talk a lot about that around here. And so the question is, are, are you generous? Are you generous with your time and your talents and your resources and everything that God has given you? And because we live in Graceland, there's one other thing we're to do. And we're to point other people to Graceland. You know, Paul writes, he says, The most important thing is that I complete my mission the work that the Lord Jesus gave me to tell people, read with me, the good news of God's grace. The good news of God's grace. You notice it doesn't say the most important thing in life is to get married or make a lot of money or pay the house off or retire or travel a lot or have fun or become famous. And those things are all fine and they're good. But it says the most important thing is that he wants to fulfill his mission. And I believe that's the most important thing we can do is fulfill our mission. Jesus Christ died for you. He showed you grace so that you could fulfill your mission. And part of your mission, not all of it, but part of it, is to share the good news of God's grace. To share that. God put you here on this earth for some reason. You have a purpose, and part of your mission is to share the grace of God. It all starts living in Graceland, telling other people about God's grace. You know, you know God's grace and and God's love. You've experienced that in, in your life. 
and you're living in Graceland because someone told you about it, right? And so my question to you is, who are you going to tell? Who are you going to tell? I mean, grace is a motivation for everything that we do at Faith Fellowship. Everything we do. It's about the good news that Jesus Christ died for every single person on this planet. And the fact that we're sitting here today, that you're here today, probably means one of a couple things. It probably means you're aware of that fact. Or it means you're checking out the possibilities of that fact. And that's okay if you're in whatever place. That's fine. But as I stand here today, I am keenly aware that there are people at home right now that are reading a newspaper, maybe drinking some espresso, you know, watching the pregame, bottle of beer maybe. Maybe they're just kicked back, relaxing. Maybe they're still asleep. But whatever they're doing, it doesn't matter. There are people that are totally unaware that Jesus Christ died for them, that God loves them, that there is a place called Graceland that could change everything in their life. There are people all around us and all around you that desperately need God's grace. My question is, who are they? I mean, stop and think for a minute because there are people in your life that you have the opportunity to influence for Jesus Christ. There are people all around you, people that are looking. When I, when I look at the world, I see people desperately looking for something. And it comes in all kinds of ways. I mean, some people are running from fad to fad. You know, therapy to self-help books to seminars to new age stuff to psychic things. And they're running around trying to fill their lives with peace and fulfillment. And they're looking in all kinds of places. I mean, some people are looking at affairs. Other people look at achievements. Some people are thrill seekers, and they think that's going to work. Other people become workaholics. You know, some go from party to party. They live for the weekends, and other people, they try and build their portfolio. And you know what? All that stuff, they're trying to fill this gaping hole in their life that only the grace of God can fill. We have the greatest news in all the world. I believe that there isn't anything that even comes close, and it's God's grace. And when you come to, to God's grace, and when you experience it, friends, I can't help but fall in love all over again with God. Grace changes everything, absolutely everything in life. We started this series uh, from the gates of Graceland. And I thought we'd finish at the gates of Graceland. This was Elvis's sanctuary. The older he got, the more time he wanted to spend at Graceland. In fact, he expanded the entire facilities to include a workout area, a place where his entire band could gather and practice and be comfortable. He put in a recording studio. Last two albums that Elvis recorded were here at Graceland. 1977, when news hit of Elvis's death, 
I thought, being an Elvis fan, it was only fitting that he died at Graceland. If you're ever in Memphis, take the tour. But you get the chance every day to live in a place called Graceland. So I say, welcome to Graceland. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God, God, we praise you. God, I thank you for your unbelievable grace. A grace that's bigger than whatever problems, whatever sins, whatever struggles we bring. God, I pray for those that find themselves in Graceland today that we'd never take it lightly, that we'd realize this incredible gift we've been given. God, I also know there are some here today that just haven't taken that step. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would nudge them, that they would just give their lives to you. That they just lift up a simple prayer and say, Lord, I want you as my Savior. That today would be the day they start living in Graceland. And God, I pray that this church, that Faith Fellowship, that God, we are a beacon of light to this community, that we are a voice, and that we share the greatest news in all the world. We share that amazing grace. God, we thank you for the opportunity to worship here. God, we worship you because of who you are. Because you've had so much grace on us. We give you the glory. We give you the praise this day and every day. Amen.